I looked over my title earlier on in the email that I sent you, and I thought it was rubbish. <laughs> I did sort of read that, and I thought, like, is this meant to be the title? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not feeling judged, Luke, but I am feeling judged. <laughs> <laughs> We're not wizards. My name's Richard, and I'll be your host this evening. Now, joining me tonight, and you might have already heard him in the background because at the moment I'm not sure if I'm going to include that front bit at the front or just leave it in or take it out. We have no idea. But tonight's episode is going to be called If It Ain't Broken, Meeple, Don't Fix It, Meeple. And uh, I know why it's called that, and you will know why it's called that. And because um, joining me tonight is Luke Hector from the Broken Meeple. So, hello, Mr. Hector. How are you? Hello, doing fine, thank you. That's very good. I, I've I'm gonna I wholeheartedly apologise for that title because it's still <laughs> it sounds <laughs> it still sounds dreadful. I was just like that. How could I write? You would think having something like the Broken Meeple, it would be the easiest thing to make up some kind of smart Alec title, but it just goes to show me that you're. Um, that I think you need to change the name of your um, of your channel so I can come up with a better title, basically. But um, it, was a, it was a it was a spur of the moment thing that made me think of it in the first place, and even then it wasn't <laughs> wasn't exactly what I would call a great title at the time. Uh, it's just like, oh yeah, that will do because everybody else has already taken all the good names. Is it like that point where you're like kind of like with domain names kind of thing, <laughs> where you're looking for like, or hairdressers? That's another one because you get like kind of um, shut up and die and you know a cut above the rest and some of them just call themselves scissors but they're just you know kind of dull, <laughs> dull and boring. Um, yeah. Too but, many um, at the moment. All the all the really good names have been taken by various ones. You know you've got like you know roll dice and taking names. You've got you know the dice tower and that. You've various you know two can play that game and who dares rolls and you know some of the local ones that i know and it's you know it's like that you've taken all the good names <laughs> this is like <laughs> what am i supposed to use because <laughs> the reason that we've got luke on tonight is quite simple because um uh i don't know i kind of i wanted to speak to somebody else that was kind of in my shoes <laughs> So we could have a good old chatter and we could maybe talk a little bit of shop. And we're certainly going to talk an awful lot about Luke and how he got into the hobby and obviously how the Broken Meeple came about. If you're listening to this for the first time and wondering what the hell is going on, the simple fact is that there's two reasons why we do this. The first reason is that we just just quite simply not enough podcasts out there about board games. Um, Checked and just none and as i say the second reason that we want to do this is sometimes it's nice to go and to go out and grab somebody that kind of can show you a bit of solidarity when it comes to recording <laughs> types of podcasts which is why we kind of had look kind of um invite you kind of look on um and it's just another sign of the kind of the wonderful thing that is the board game kind of community 
But anyway, enough about me waffling on. This, this evening, as Colin would say, it's your night, Luke. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a little dip back into the past. We're going to have a little look-see at the present. And then we're going to have a little jaunt into the future. Just to find out, you know, a couple of things, a little bit more about you. Um, first of all, thanks, as I say, thanks for coming on. But tell us a little bit about your history with the hobby, Mr. <laughs> you have been warned. <laughs> That's I am, all I can say to everybody I, I tell else you out what, there. I've got a coffee. I've got a couple of biscuits here. You know, if you just... <laughs> You just do your thing. You're, you're more classy then, because I'm actually, funny enough, we were talking about the expo earlier, I'm, I'm yeah. still sipping a can of iron brew. <laughs> <laughs> do you get, you, of course you get iron brew. I mean, okay, that's you one get, of these things, about 25 years ago, you wouldn't, you probably, you would always struggle to get a can of iron brew in, um, down in England, and now I obviously thought, you get it. I thought everywhere. it was non-existent down in the south, but I've seen it in stores local you know big as the store so it is available but the we ended up with so much on the dice tower booth because everybody bought iron brew for the guys to try <laughs> it's like oh this new drink you've never heard of it and yeah funny enough they haven't but we ended up with so much and uh, you can't take drinks you know on a plane up no. above a certain limit but you can't take soda at all because it explodes just goes in boom so hmm. okay so just a quick say before you got into the hobby when was the first time you tried iron brew <laughs> that would be my aunt and uncle from up north. They uh, most right. of my relatives. Um, it's a quite a small family now, but there's two relatives of mine up in Northumbria, and mm-hmm. they are obsessed with Iron Brew. Every time I've been round there, they've got yeah. it in bottles. They're always trying to feed me it and stuff like that. And basically, any time I visited them, whenever it was when I was young, that would have been like, "What on earth is this stuff?" And it's like, I don't know if it's orange or <laughs> or what flavor at all. It's like this is a weird thing that you can't pinpoint its flavor. It's a bit like Dr Pepper. It's like you, you, it's you drink kind, it, and you don't, yeah, you, you don't realize hard. what it is. Yeah, it's hard. You can't. You have to. You have to kind of experience it. I don't even think it's like Dr Pepper because you can just say, "Well, Dr Pepper's like really kind of sweet cherry coke mixed with like Parma violets a bit," whereas Iron Brew is just kind of like it's kind of like it has got iron in it, <laughs> which always used to be the big claim. But um, up in Scotland, what what they used to do is they used to sell them in the chip shop and they used to sell them in glass bottles, and then what used to happen is you used to get the glass bottles and then you could take them back to the shop and you get money for them. I mean, this was long before we decided that we needed to make everything out of plastic and have it hanging around for the next couple of hundred million years. But that's what you used to do. So kids used to actually go about searching for glass bottles of iron brew, empty ones, that they could then wash a bit and then they could then take back to the shop and trade it in for one pence and half pence sweets. There you go. There's a slice. <laughs> There's a slice <laughs> of a long um, forgotten time. Of a long forgotten time. So, do you get your iron brew regularly? Then, I mean, do you have a supplier that you go to? No, literally, I've just got a few cans of sugar-free iron brew at the moment, just because oh. we had the bunch at the expo, and it's like, you know what? They can't take it with them, so yoink. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just? <laughs> No, they offered it out. They, in fact, oh, that's okay in, then. In fact, I think Sam Healy even stuck a big two-liter bottle in my bag without me realizing because I was carrying it around. I was like, "This is a bit heavier than I thought," and it's like, and he snuck, <laughs> he snuck a bottle in there. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Um, I mean, obviously, Iron Brew's nostalgia, but how how did you get into the hobby? I mean, um, what kind of got you into the land of cardboard? 
it's always been something that I've done through most of the life from a kid perspective. Certainly, like the mainstream stuff with the family. I mean, that's usually everybody's first inkling in their life that they've ever played a board game ever. But my tastes have changed a lot over time. Where it's like, first we'll start with mainstream board games, then I get into little trading card games like Alien Predator and Star Wars Decipher, and then it migrated to Warhammer, and then it became Magic the Gathering and RPG. So it's 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 gone through pretty much every realm of geekdom there is. But it's just constantly changed. Board games didn't really come back until about four years ago mm-hmm. when I I got to the point in my life where it's like, right, well, I've got me house, right, at the time, a flat, and I've got me job, and there's only so many people I know around in Portsmouth. I need to meet new people. What did I used to enjoy? And, it's, and it was just a case of, let's have a look on meetup.com, find yeah. out what clubs are in the area. And I saw the board game club Portsmouth on board, which I now run, or co-run at least. <laughs> yeah. And... I just thought, oh yeah, I used to like those, but I don't know much about what's out now. I don't know, let's go and see. It looks like a laugh. Went there and then was hooked ever since, to the point of just being obsessed. (laughs) (laughs) How, do you remember, you know, um, you obviously then started to buy board games, so do you remember the kind of the the first couple that grew and helped grow your collection? The first couple, uh, I mean, one of the first games I owned would have been Citadels because I know that I probably had a copy of that uh-huh. sort of during my university years, like the one card game I had. I just kind yeah. of latched onto it. After that, I think there would have been a couple of games that I'd played that night that I started with. I mean, the first game I think I played that made me realize, wow, board games have come a long way was Seven Wonders. They had a seven-player game. They taught me it. I'd never seen a board game for God knows how many years, even though I was a proper geek anyway. Yeah. And they were teaching it with leaders as well. So, yeah, talk about throwing in the deep end. <laughs> but I I just thought, same way I learn every game. I just pick a route, pick a path, stick to it, don't deviate, even if it's completely wrong, see what happens. And then I'm mm-hmm. winning anyway. So, <laughs> but that... <laughs> well, so, that's a good introduction. You can imagine how things might have gone if you'd lost horribly that night. I'm not a sore loser. I don't mind it if I lose a, a game as long as I enjoyed it. And I did enjoy the seven-player thing, but it was just that I know I'd not seen drafting, you know, not no. outside of a Magic the Gathering thing. I'd not seen all this card tableau thing, all this iconography. And it's like, what? What has happened to board games now? This is a bit different from Hero Quest, <laughs> which was really like more childhood-related. And then the collection, I think, just completely spiraled out of control because it started off with, like, oh, I'll just get a few games here, some co-ops, mm. here's, some, uh, here's some theme stuff that I like. And then it just went completely nuts, where it's like I had a bit of disposable cash. You know, living alone in a new build flat with an accountancy job kind of meant, yeah, you know what, I'm not spending a lot of cash by games. <laughs> <laughs> I take it, it's easy to kind of justify the figures, I guess, to yourself as well, because you can... You can add them up precisely. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to know how much I might have spent on games in my life. But building up, what did I have? I think I had a four by four or a five by five Calax. Well, you know, whatever they were called, expedite shelves at the time, and that was just slowly filling up. And then it got to the point where it's like, yikes, things are going on top. And then, oh my god, it's now migrating to other shelves in the in the same room. <laughs> and now the game room I've made in my house is yeah. two I think four by fours or two yeah one two three four one two three yeah two four by fours and they're right next to each other and the stuff's still on top of that and I'm sort of thinking oh god I'm running out of space again so <laughs> are those are those Kallaxes as well oh yeah I wouldn't have it up. 
I mean, the Billy bookcases weren't bad, but yeah. I, I just think Calyx was pretty much designed for board gamers. They're just okay. perfectly sized for most board games, unless the publisher wants to decide to do something crafty and unique <laughs> or something, and then <laughs> usually blows up in their face when they do it. I do, of course. You realise that this case, this is what Nigel Kennington was talking about when he was when he was on talking about Carcosa, and he kept talking calaxes all the time so i do have to say that other shelving units are available terms and conditions on request yeah we have to you be know, balanced to, <laughs> you have to be balanced you know you have to be impartial kind of impartial kind of things one of the things i noticed is you you talk an awful lot of stuff about the you kind of the euro am i correct in saying that or a lot of people think i don't like euros ah, right. i'm very big on theme so yeah. they think all right theme you mean amerifrash then it's like well no not quite you know, mm. I don't want too much randomness in my game. I like a little bit, but Euros have usually two very distinct types. You've got the thematic ones, which I love, mm. and I will, they're on my shelf, things like Viticulture and stuff like that. You yeah. know, great theme, great setting, and I'll love that Euro. Mm. But what I tend to have a problem with is the ones that I like to call Super Dry, which is essentially, here's a game of mechanics, and that's it. Yeah, nothing else. You know, no other, no theme to set it with. Or if it does have a theme, it's either a boring one like trading in the Mediterranean, or the theme is non-existent and is basically just point salad. So they they come up a lot in discussion. But I mean, I've got, I think, I think I've got a balanced set of games on that shelf. You know, everything from Euro to co-op to Gateway to heavy to medium light. Uh, to dice chuckers, to miniature games, there's, there's quite a, to party games even. Yeah, there's, there's a good varied amount. How but... do you organ? How do you organise your shelves? I mean, do you just have everything kind of up there, or have you organised them into genres? Have you organised them into sections? You know, are we? Are we? T- is it like becoming like a good old record collection? You know, where I... you've alphabetised it, kind of thing. <laughs> no, or... I tried. I did try it first. Really? <laughs> not, not like alphabetised. No, God, no, no, not that far, but. I mean, the original uh, shelf and the flat was not organised at all. Yeah. This one, I tried to do it by publisher. I tried to think, right, well, I'll stick all oh, the fantasy okay. flight yeah. stuff first, yeah. and I'll do this. And I, I mean, I didn't do it alphabetically. I just thought, right, there's fantasy flights, there's AEGs, there's Bezier, that kind of thing. But even that is starting to spiral out of control, because the problem is I'm at a stage now with review copies and you know buying games myself that unless I'm going to add more shelves on, and I'm paranoid as to how much weight a concrete floor can take when you're upstairs, but because <laughs> I always think like, oh, I could add another 2x4 uh, calyx on top or something, and it's like, how much weight does the first Other floor take? Other shelving units are available in terms yeah. of conditions on request. <laughs> I'm expecting to get like some like big shipping. Just say, you just say the K word, yeah? Don't keep saying that, because it's like we have to say that you can get other shelving units from other or you can use i guess storage boxes under the bed i mean that's always a that's always a good Ugh. thing but i'm, I'm probably looking <laughs> or, out for the bbc build your own custom one bbc portsmouth kind of covering a story to say that you know you know one man one man was injured and one woman escaped injury <laughs> when three <laughs> shelves three K-word shelving units crashed through from upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just you sitting in a pile of, like, dust, cards and dice just going... Well, no, no one involved. It would literally just be sort of me upstairs staring from the floor <laughs> into what would be my kitchen if that floor did cave in. With a oh bunch of games goodness. everywhere thinking, it was just another 2 by 4 squares, seriously. <laughs> 
and it would have been the smallest thing ever. It would have been like a little expansion deck that you got for like Vikings Gone Wild or something like that. That's basically like, <laughs> this was I've just a little some... mini promo. It was a promo card. Exactly. I just shoved it in the box. Exactly. <laughs> you back. You backed, you backed Michael Mays to can play this game Kickstarter. So you've got the Vikings Gone Wild two promo cards, and you're just reaching over and just going, "I'll just, I'll just, I'll just put these here." Yeah, I, I really don't know how much weight that the floors are meant to take. I mean, like I say, this is just me being paranoid because I knew nothing about architectural construction. But <laughs> the I, I just had to put like a TV on the wall with a soundbar thing because I wanted it for not just like YouTube things, but I also yeah. wanted to port tablet stuff up there. Like yeah. it was like Mansions of Madness and stuff, and that's worked yeah. out well now. Uh-huh. But I was so paranoid about this is an internal wall, it's a plaster wall. how much weight can I put on there? And it took me ages before I could decide, you know what, I'm going to get this TV and soundbar, because I was just expecting that the second I got anyone to put up, it would just, like, tear the wall down. <laughs> you just walk past it and go, Achoo! and it's... <laughs> it is. I'm really not a DIY expert. I, I, yeah. I, you know, when I left home, I had there were three life skills you needed to know. You needed to know how to clean. You needed to know how yeah. to cook, and yeah. you needed to know DIY. I chose yeah. to learn them in a specific order, and <laughs> you know, which meant that cooking was my 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 trick, my perk. You know, yeah. the, the skill I know. Cleaning was the next best thing. You know, I can keep the place in good nick, and yeah. it's why DIY I know nothing about. So. <laughs> That just got basically left behind. Just no more nails. Everything. <laughs> I think Gorilla, Gorilla Glue has become my new best friend, I think, at the moment. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> just stick it. Oh, I've chipped that plate. Gorilla Glue. It's more, it's more actually just like, you know, the odd sort of wood chip stuff like happens. But I'm also putting together quite a lot of insert and boxes at the moment that I've bought. And Gorilla Wood Glue seems to be doing the trick. So. <laughs> It's gonna be, oh, you're gonna end up kind of selling it. It's gonna, it's gonna end up being the broken meeple is sponsored by Gorilla Glue. Other glue is available, by the way. Just <laughs> official sponsors <laughs> of the broken meeple: Calax oh, shelving, Gorilla Glue. Right, okay. <laughs> what are you gonna say, Nick? Oh, Tetley's. We might as well jump in. <laughs> Get it? sponsored by Asmodee. Um, check games. Here's hope. Oh God, yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you imagine that would be kind of cool. But were you, I mean, but that I guess that's the. I mean, what's kind of floating your boat at the moment? Apart, obviously, from Gorilla Glue and Calax shelving. <laughs> Welcome no. to we're not DIYers. <laughs> Welcome to Ground Force board gaming. Edition, yeah, exactly. That's all right. Okay, you're just being the clever because you're coming up with a better name than me. I knew this would happen. <laughs> bring on somebody that's well. Yeah, bring on Luke Hector. He'll be a lot of laugh. No, he won't. He'll show me up for just the unprofessional person that I am. But anyway, yeah, what is kind of... Because you do... For anyone that hasn't listened, I mean, Luke does, um, you know, Luke does reviews because you've got the blog, which you write stuff for. You obviously mention stuff that you've played on the podcast that you have as well. Um, So it's a mixture between... You get a mixture between stuff that I take it that you're reviewing and stuff that you've actually buying yourself. So... In terms of um, stuff you've bought yourself, is what's kind of like excited you at the moment? At the moment, it's a fair mix between what I buy and what I get review copies for. I mean, people will say that oh, I get jealous that you get these copies in. It's like it's not like they're flooding through my doors like every second. You know, it's not the dice tower. It's just like the occasional copy comes through. The rest I buy with my own cash. But at the moment, the biggest thing that I've bought recently was I. Got it delivered by First Amoebas at the Expo, and it was the deluxe expansion for the 
Takinoko because if you know that Matigo did that giant set yeah, uh, with the humongous like panda and tiles yeah. and that. Yeah. I've had that for a while since about uh, 2015 Essen because one, I love the game, but two, when some friends of mine do like events down here, like social events for Dice Portsmouth and that, I usually bring Deluxe Takinoko as a centerpiece. You know, it's easy to teach to new people who turn yeah, up, but yeah, it also yeah. looks the business. Yeah, it's well, I've been looking. Well, I've been waiting ages for the Chibi's expansion to get put into deluxe form because I've only got it in my small game. And then it's like, oh, it was on the site, buy it, instant. And now <laughs> that's got me excited because I've opened up that box and just gone, yes, <laughs> more giant stuff. <laughs> yeah. No longer does the female panda have to sit in awe of this giant monstrosity oh, before her. <laughs> I can't wait to get both of them on the table at another buy sports event. Just like the one thing when you've played Takidoka is that you think this panda needs to be considerably bigger. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Especially the size, the size of the bamboo. It's literally I'm planting my own forest with that stuff. You know, I could pretty much decorate my garden with the contents of that box. <laughs> what about review stuff? I mean, obviously, there's been stuff that you've reviewed recently was there any kind of nice surprises that kind of came through for you uh one game cool mini or not has hit it out of the part with recently was ethnos that one has so far taken my only 10 out of 10 for this year really? um, because so far i thought the year was kind of starting a bit slow but then okay. i think it years don't tend to heat up until about the summer onwards i seem to notice anyway but the what ethnos was doing was because first cool mini or not i kind of hit and miss with me normally you know, I've I gotten kind of bored with all the miniature games that they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was like, right, so there's no miniatures. The artwork is meh, looks yeah. pretty bland, yeah, and is like a really short game. Okay, this isn't their style. So I wasn't sure what to expect. Uh-huh. Watched a few reviews. They were giving it raves. It's like, okay, so we're talking ticket to ride level area control. Okay, well, we'll mm-hmm. give it a try and see what happens. Okay. And that one has actually surprised me because I... Didn't expect a huge amount out of it, and it is basically area control with ticket to ride level rules. You know, it's so simple, but you've got a good amount of variety with all the different tribe abilities that you use, and you use six out of 12, and they all play very differently. You know, I've got a promo pack for it, there's a 13th race, and all they have to do is just bring out more races. But it was just so lightning fast. It's, I've never had a game where I've played with five or six people and it's got the turns have gone so fast that by the time the person's picked up a card and actually registered what's on it, it's yeah. their turn again. So That's got to... very, very good. So what's the idea behind it? I mean, obviously I'm aware you've, you've really spoken about it on your, your own show, but what's, what is the idea behind Ethnos? It's an area control game. So the, the standard official of like, put your markers on the board and yeah. whoever has the majority gets points over three rounds uh-huh. and the points sort of scale up, but they're randomized to begin with. The way you get the markers on the board, though, is that you play these cards, which are allies. They're tribal creatures, so you got wing, you know, they're fantasy style things. So you have got your giants, your halflings, and that very much like half of it's Lord of the Rings esque in some respect. All right, okay. But all the different tribes have got an ability with them, and you're trying to play multiple of the same color, which is like color for location, or multiple of the same tribe, so multiple wing folk, multiple merfolk, that kind of thing. And when you play a band, the bigger the band is, the more points you get at the end of the round. But it also just dictates, you know, how many markers you can get on a particular land. 
but you choose one to be the leader of the tribe and that ability goes off and they're very simple abilities. I mean, you know, some of them are literally just break ties or, you know, this counts as an extra one for scoring or this one allows you to put it anywhere, that kind of thing. But when you combine six out of 12 together, you select them a bit like Dominion where you just randomize the selection to begin with. It generates an entirely different game and all the turn sequences is draw a card or play a band of allies. That's it. It's so super fast that the turns just go round and round, lightning yeah. quick, as everyone's yeah. getting in each other's faces because you know you're going to be vying for control and people are going to be trying to nick it off you. And all the while, as you get to the bottom half of the deck, you've got three of these dragon cards that pop out, and the first two don't do anything apart from make you basically tense up like crazy. Because as soon as the third one comes out, the round ends immediately. You don't finish oh, right. a round or okay. anything. Okay. So. As soon as the first dragon comes up, it's like, oh, okay, right, we're running out of time here. And then the second one comes out, and it's like, oh, God, i got to play stuff, otherwise everything in your hand is useless. Quick, go, go. And then at times you're just praying that third dragon doesn't come out when you don't want it to. And you get this for three whole rounds. It's done in less than an hour, even with six players. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I've even done it at a convention with yeah. six players in less than an hour, and normally conventions are an excuse for the games to take twice as long. And it just really works it's just really good neat design that's why it's got the 10 for me i mean it's a game that i'll want to play a lot granted i probably wouldn't you know play it every single day although i have played it multiple times in one session but it's just so neat a design i can't floor it apart from its artwork which is more a subjective thing anyway yeah it's not, it's not horrendous it just doesn't look that great on the table but yeah. because that's subjective and it's like the only thing I can really fault with it in terms of design and, and the insert, but that's a minor niggle. It's you know it, it deserves that rating. You know, no game is ever perfect, but if the flaws are not big enough to detract from the experience, then it's yeah. worth it. Yeah, kind of, it's kind of like the a little niggles are acceptable because you always expect little niggles, and you know it takes a lot, a lot of man hours to really, really kind of make a game almost play. Kind of perfectly. Yeah. Is no, it ki- is it Kickstarter? Is it normal kind of Simon Coolmania or not Kickstarter, or is it going to be available on the website? It's probably on the website, and it has already been sold. I think recently, or yeah, it's like okay. starting to come out in retail. I don't think it ever was a Kickstarter, yeah. to my knowledge. I certainly oh. don't recall it being on Kickstarter. No, I don't remember it. I think the Simon kind of keep their. They keep their miniatures for their Kickstarters, I think. Um, well, that generates more money, doesn't it? So I think if <laughs> I think if this had come out on Kickstarter in its form that it is, it wouldn't have raised much money because people wouldn't have sort of thought it was going to be that great. First fifteen hundred comments would have been, "Where's the minis?" That's always <laughs> the way. <laughs> That's all the, they have to do. They just have to bring the... out any game. Doesn't matter if it's the same recycled stuff. Just say it's got miniatures. And it sells. That's all it is. People don't even have to know what the game's about. They just go big miniatures, and therefore it's going to be a great game. Well, it's guys, a new version a... of Cluedo. It could be. You know, just we've got they've got miniatures. Oh, the game must be amazing. Yeah, well yeah. done, guys. That's what Besieged scored scored you on, didn't it? It's like... I've it's heard like of that. Big... I've yeah, Besieged is one of these games I've heard a lot about, and I've heard kind of I've seen it kind of for sale. <laughs> in a lot of places and I it, don't know if it's good or if it's quite bad oh it came and bombed I mean there are some yeah. people that do like it but they've had to house rule it like crazy in order to get mm. it to work because mm. it's so long and random that it just really didn't sort of fit what the game should be about 
despite yeah. and being stupidly hard and random is not normally a good combination. No. But no. oh yeah, it came out and just did not get the reception. I remember I ended up with a review copy, tried it, and it's like, oh, God, I'm getting rid of this quick. <laughs> and it's just because it really didn't impress me. I just thought you've just basically blinged it up and not thought about game design, considering you know the only people that play it have house ruled it. I don't know if there's anyone out there who plays it by the rule book as it's written because. Mm. <laughs> Because there was just so much that needed changing. And oh. yeah, now I, I've not seen it sold anywhere other than the clearance sale. <laughs> I know. It's going to end up in the works. <laughs> That's a step up from what they normally do. I mean, I don't even know why I bother walking into a works store anymore. It's like, what, what do I expect to find in works? Well, in well, Colin got Taj Mahal from the works. So it's not all bad. And Taj Mahal was quite a cracking little game, you know, last time I checked it. How did you? I mean, you're obviously you're at you're you're at the um, you're at the club down in Portsmouth, and then you're getting to the point. I take it by that time you kind of get more involved in the club, and then helping the the, the kind of the helping to running thing. You said you're kind of doing now. What made you think? Sit down one day and go. Do you know what? I am going to do something with this. I'm going to start talking about it. How did that kind of come around? I think that just comes from me in general, actually, because before I did board gaming, I, you know, I'm, well, even now, you know, I watch a lot of movies and I did a lot mm. of geekdom stuff. And I always, I wouldn't say, I suppose you could say I'm opinionated, but not in a bad way. It's just I like to discuss them or say, these are my thoughts. You know, do you agree or disagree? Right, let's chat. That, yeah. that sort of thing I just like. And when I started the board gaming thing, I knew that I looked at Board Game Geek, saw the millions of games, and thought, where on earth do I even start? Yeah. I watched the Dice Tower being like the first thing that came up in the search mm. and what people had said, watched the videos, really liked it, and then I just thought, well, you know, it looks enjoyable from their perspective. You know what? How hard can it be? And to be fair, that's like the doom words you should <laughs> never mention before undertaking any kind of escapade. Exactly. How hard can it be? Exactly. It doesn't work for Jeremy Clarkson. It certainly didn't work for no. me. Oh, uh, we could we could take the ship round the iceberg. How hard could it be? Yeah. So it was definitely harder than expected, and it still is. But especially yeah. when I'm doing it myself. But it just kind of just went from there. Started off with some written reviews. Kept on with that. Started a podcast when. You know the whole Dice Tower Network thing came to light. Yeah. You know, oh, I could you know get on with these people and have the podcast on this network and get it out and about. And it's like, oh, well, I need a few episodes first, so let's get started. And it's just literally evolved from that point, just to be a medium of you know what? Now I can share opinions and yeah. discuss them with other people because I mean my opinions will, like everybody's, will differ from lots of others. You know, I've I've got the shtick now the that. You know, almost like my MO, which is if I don't like a game, I'm going to say it how it is. I, yeah. I will not hold back. Mm. And yeah, because some people will only review games that they really love. And some people will kind of like, oh, I didn't particularly like this game, but I'll, I either won't review it or I'll just, you know, I'll I'll give an overview of it. It's like, no, if I don't like a game, I'm going to say why. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> and people will agree and some people will disagree. But it's that it's that after chat that I love. Did you when, just rock up to the dice tower and say, "Can I be in part of the network?" And they went, "Yep, come on, jump on board." 
Not exactly like, oh, wait, come on, jump on board. I mean, the, <laughs> I, know it, I, I think at that point they were happy with the written reviews I did. Yeah. But the podcast had barely started and they yeah. wanted, this was a time when they really wanted you to have like about five to ten episodes under your belt. Yeah. Because yeah. They, they didn't want podcasts to like join the network and then disappear mm-hmm, because you mm-hmm. couldn't keep up with it. So I had to build that up first and then I got on the network that way. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of stuck around and... You know the video part. I I did some video a while back with yeah. in the flat, but I found that. I mean, I look back on it now, and I just think, oh my god, that was amateurish. I don't know whether it's me trying to be a perfectionist or not, because I see some people doing it with far better quality or far better, you know, production values, which is either because they're popular or because they're mm. on Kickstarter funding themselves, or because there's more than one of them doing it. Believe me, there's a a lot to be gained from just having one other person help you out with stuff. <laughs> just holding and, stuff down and holding it steady. Yeah, but even just being able to like go out and do things more or just be on the show itself. Because yeah. that's a big difference. A lot of people have two people doing banter and it's really weird when you're doing it by yourself because you've just basically got a rabbit at a microphone and do yeah. nothing else. I, yeah, I... I, I um... I mean, I would probably, if I if somebody didn't stop and actually talk in the podcast, I would probably end up rabbiting on as well. But, I mean, how do you do? You just come up with a couple of topics and then just talk about them. I mean, do you record? Does with you doing it by yourself? Does it allow you to record a batch at once and then just release them as you see fit, or do? You, or do you are you actively in the habit of saying, "Okay, it's Sunday night, let's do a podcast kind of thing"? How does how does the scheduling type work? There's not really a schedule. I just try to get the content out semi regularly. Yeah. I mean, I tried to do it once a month before, and that was okay. Uh-huh. But the podcast was quite long, you know, uh-huh. like an hour and a bit. And yeah. the problem with doing a long podcast is, by the time you finish recording it, it's like, oh, do I have to edit this now? Yeah. And it just gets a little bit demoralizing at that point. Now with season two as i effectively called it the reboot the <laughs> what i essentially did was i said right well i'm going to try and keep the podcast smaller so with the exception of some collaborations i've done which obviously take a lot longer i've tried to keep it to a max of 45 minutes and try to keep sort of half an hour episodes yeah and but do them more frequently so there may be like one every couple of weeks two three weeks yeah. and that's been going quite well so far because you feel like oh yeah you know what i've got a spare like 45 minutes i can just go quickly run that podcast out but there's no planning for it there's i at most i will plan what the topic is so i know that the next one is either going to be a top 10 games by whatever publisher or i know it's just going to be discussing or it's going to be an ex uh, convention talk something like that so i know the topic and i have my format so i know right music intro talk conclusion the end and that's it there's no script I do not use a script. You know, your boss does everything by script, you don't. And mm. I know some people that will meticulously script out their episodes and what they're saying. I haven't got the time to do that. It's, it's hard enough trying to get the podcast out I haven't out got the inclination. <laughs> I haven't got the inclination, to be honest. I've kind of been asked for questions. I mean, you've seen the show notes that I write. It's basically, and I've yeah. said this before, it's kind of like the show notes are... Right, let's talk about how you got into the hobby and then let's talk about some stuff just now and then just whatever kind of comes up kind of thing. I didn't like, we've not like said, we've not sat for like three hours beforehand and said, right, and then if you come in with the Iron Brew stuff, that'll allow us to segue into Iron Brew and then we can talk about <laughs> nostalgia 
and then we can talk about how you got into the hobby, and then we can talk about how you got in, you know, it's kind of like, I know it works for some people very, very well. I mean, there's some, you know, there's some guys out there that I think that they do stuff which is obviously very, very well put together and, and also very, very scripted. I, I, do you know what? Do you know what it is? I think if I did that, it would take me probably four or five attempts to actually go ahead and record anything because I would know, I would, I would think I was making mistakes and then I would stop and then I would completely start again. And I think you would kind of like miss the the kind of the natural flow of things. But no, you 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 have a you've set. I think you settled into a style, but you don't get. You're not Mister Ranty Angry. <laughs> uh, well, depends on what game I'm talking about. But it's it, not. You kind of state your points, but you, you know you, you've never kind of went off and go. This is rubbish, and then come back and you use a table getting flipped, kind of thing. Well, in the, I mean, the first season, I think there would have been too many people that would have heard it. Now, not so much. But the, yeah. I've tried to because I've obviously been part of this Dice Hour Network. I'm yeah. not, I don't tend to swear a lot in real life, but no. you know, I can do. But I tried to keep the podcast like semi-family friendly, just to like let's you know avoid these topics. Let's not be too controversial, and let's not swear like constantly. And obviously, when you want to rant about a game and you have to restrict yourself a little bit, it, it stops you from going completely nuts. But there are there are some I have done where there's a bit of a rant going. I mean, uh, some games that I've hated. Uh, well, I did a top ten hated games. That was quite ranty. Uh, there was a <laughs> podcast review I did for Food Chain Magnate. You know, I ranted like crazy on that one. So there was the top. There was the kind of the top ten people that the most annoying gamers. <laughs> oh god, I, I actually forgot. There's, I I really I ranted at myself after that because I recorded it, got it out. <laughs> And then a week later realized, <laughs> oh my god, how did I forget this dude? And, <laughs> and I, said, I need to literally, I can't do the list again. I have to sort of say, look, just bump off number 10 and yeah. slot this one in around number 2 or 3. Like, I hate this person that much. You know, I'll do it now just as a bonus <laughs> for people. But it was, I forgot it so much because it only came to my mind on my next uh, gaming night when this person, like this type of person turned up again. <laughs> And I, I call them the, the deserter, who, not deserting in the middle of a game, that's a different story. And most of the yeah. time, you, they tell you ahead of time, oh, I might have to run off to the train or yeah, something, that's yeah. fine. The deserter is the one who, you've enjoyed this game, it might be this huge thing that's all over the table, and it's like, oh, that was a good laugh, you know, you know thanks for that, guys. And before you've even had a chance to register <laughs> anything else, they've already let, they've already run off. You know, yeah. to go have their smoke break or just to find other people. <laughs> and it's like, thanks, I now have to put away this giant monstrosity of a game, all tokens, oh, yeah. cards and everything. Especially and you if it's just off. <laughs> it's, I hate oh. those people. It's like, you know, you know, if somebody is comfortable packing it away themselves, then fine, but at least ask. You know? <laughs> it's like, it's so like are you to, okay there? No, no, no. You, you wanted a rant, I gave you a rant. But... <laughs> But then, do you know, you also, on the other side of that, you do get the protectionist person, which is the person where you often say, do you want me to, um, do you, you've just sat down and played something for the last three hours with them, and then you're like, well, do you want me to help you put away? No, no, it's fine. And you see them kind of gently folding stuff over and <laughs> moving stuff about in the box to make sure that it's not the case that it's not going to fit in the box, 
it is going to fit in the box, it's going to easily fit in the box, but it's not going to fit in the box the, the way that they would like it to fit in the box. That doesn't bother me too much, though, because in the end, it's like, you've asked them, they've said no, fine, put it away however you feel, like it's your game. I'm just, but I'm just, I'm just trying to help you. I know, it's, oh, I've had times where I've got to put away Scythe, or what's oh. a recent review copy, Unfair. <clears throat> Yeah, that game. Oh my oh, god. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. What's that like? Is that any good? Because I've heard good things about it. That's um. Is that Druid Druid City? Uh, no, no. Unfair is the. Uh, it's another oh. cool one. You know, not one. Funny enough, but oh, it's sorry, the yeah, roller coaster sorry. sort of tableau yes. building game. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's had a lot of mixed reviews because it's very mean in terms of what you can do to other players can really screw them up. Yeah. And it seems to happen quite often. Also, the cards in it are not particularly well balanced in terms of the event cards, and that seems to be a big driver of the game. But that aside, building the actual theme park in front of you and having all the different upgrades and that is actually quite good fun. Mm. So I'm kind of like, I think it's good but not great. And I think the review for that sort of came out last week. But this one, oh my god, the setup and takedown for this game is ridiculous because you've got to put all your theme decks together and then there's different cards, you've got to separate them out and then you've got to give them the full-on Magic the Gathering shuffle before you start because otherwise you'll have a ton of the same thing turn up. And that takes a long time to set up and take down. And if I end up with deserters when I'm playing that, (laughs) oh, (laughs) the blood's boiling. Because it's like, you couldn't stick around for five minutes to help me separate these cards now. We have a thing at Dwarf, which is the time time of the table flip. It's kind of like like time of death. It's like time of of table flip, 8-19. Um. I think I just re- I worry that there's going to be one time I play a game which has got a huge setup time, yeah. and as soon as it finishes, if I see anybody get out of their seat, I'll be like, "Sit down!" <laughs> you just you just rush over. Yeah, like, pick you, up you a can, miniature, pick up you, a miniature, and hold it to their nose and go, "This might fit." <laughs> it's like the barman is not going anywhere you know you can have a puff out of your sonic screwdriver thing you're holding in your hand at any point just help me put this game away I was, oh. and that's what I mean. it should have been on that list and i cannot believe i forgot it just gonna, well it's on the list now so you could always we could always you could always take this entire audio and kind of put it back in the show do you know why i got confused <laughs> james hudson from Druid City Games, he was talking about Unfair, and he said he had a cracking time with it, so that's why I got confused, because I'm getting old, and when you're talking to too many people, your brain forgets who you've been speaking to, and what you're attributing that to, but is that a sign of is that a sign of um, Cool Mini or not, or are they called Simon, or whatever they're calling themselves, they're obviously is it, they're trying different genres now, maybe they are. Yeah, because if you look at the miniature games, it has the full-on cool mini or not, like purple symbol. And now the recent yeah. stuff has literally just got Simon. So yeah. I don't really know what they're kind of playing at with it. But the yeah. the game itself, I do like. I've kept yeah. it for now. I'd like to see more expansions to it. And you can change the game with these cards that say, right, you can't be mean-spirited to anyone in this game. Or, you know, these things happen. And that does help, I think, to to do it but if you can sort of overlook the fact that you've got to get into a light mood you have to accept that these mean cards can come out and that it's probably unbalanced as all get out but just have fun building the theme park yeah and that's good for me and yeah. that part of the game is fun the first one i had was i, I think we just mixed like the basic themes per the rule book and the i i don't think i had actually had a single roller coaster in my park 
I think I was just buying all the sideshows because the cards were kind of like asking for that for bonuses. Yeah. But I ended up building a... The biggest memory I had was that I built a cinema, a normal cinema sideshow in there. And it's like on its own. And I thought, yep, this is a cool cinema. It will do good. You know, it's in the... Mm. It'll play yeah. horror films. The guy opposite me then builds a card, which bear in mind, I've not seen any of the cards. so I didn't know what to expect. He builds yeah. one that's called a luxury cinema. <laughs> so it looks more like a hotel than a cinema and he's there mocking me going it's like it's better than your city little cinema and it's like okay right it's on and, <laughs> and then for the rest of the game his, oh, he, he, I start putting every upgrade I possibly can on this one cinema I mean it, it helped me to win the game but it, it didn't have to and I had oh, to, I had a blueprint that said get all these like guest upgrades on it anyway so it kind of fitted with the path i was going for but i was just thinking right you and your luxury cinema right mine's got air conditioning does yours no does yours have toilets no mine does does yours have a locker room no and it's like just putting all these upgrades on this cinema and all he does is like he comes back with like ah mine's a deluxe quality luxury cinema and it's like i don't care you don't have anywhere to go to the bathroom okay so that is not a cinema exactly it's a lux it's a luxury wonderful top hatted cinema but it smells of urine <laughs> it was just really funny because by that I think I had yeah. seven upgrades on this cinema by the end of the game. Was, I didn't have a roller coaster. I literally just built a cinema multiplex, and he can be there with his luxury deluxe quality cinema. But it's like when I've got comfy seating, air conditioning, and a bathroom, I know where I want to go to watch a movie. Okay, <laughs> and that was just it. It didn't matter if it tanked the game or not. But we just yeah. got into this war between us two with the cinema complex, and that's one reason i've kept it because i think it does generate a lot of those laughs if you get into the theme and a lot of us have gone into this game having played either theme park or roller coaster tycoon in the past which are both fantastically wonderful games Mm. well for me from a bygone era because i've played them a couple of times on the pc i think even on the playstation one years and years ago Okay, think that yeah. was the, the time of the whole kind of the time of the whole kind of theme theme kind of games coming on. Mm. Roller Coaster Tycoon was always a good PC favorite. I mean, I don't have the time for it now, but I used to play no. the originals like crazy. And Theme yeah. Park was one of the games I had on the old Mega Drive console. I mean, you want to feel old? You know, think back to that. <laughs> no, I remember that. I remember that. I remember all the little characters going around, either saying they wanted something to eat, or they wanted something to drink, or they were bored, or they were happy, and it was just. You could lose days of your life to this game. Absolute yeah, and days you create what you want life. and wonder just whether the person who designed the game was making a statement about litter control mm. because I swear <laughs> I've never seen so much litter appear in <laughs> exactly. any game. <laughs> it was like it wasn't a pe- it wasn't like a theme park, it was like the litter dropping of a small country in a day or something like that. The amount of kind of like paper that ended up kind of going about and you had to hire the employees and some of the employees were really industrious, and some of the employees were like really, really lazy. And you wouldn't find out they were to like really, really lazy until you'd all obviously ended up spending too much money. So it was really <laughs> difficult to kind of replace them into somebody else. So it was well, just the, a... the AI meant that they were running around in circles half the time. It's like no, that this way it's right in front of you, man. <laughs> and there's this pathway chock a block with like drink cartons yeah. and fry packets and that. And he's running around in a circle doing these little tiny. Bits in one corner, and it's just like I might, get cleaning. I, I might pick up a crisp packet. I might not, kind of thing. When you, I mean, do you take review copies of games to the groups then, when you're playing, or are you the type? Yeah, when it comes to kind of like playing a review copy, will you 
will you kind of do a solo run yourself and kind of put two players out and see how it plays or would you take it out to a group of friends you have like a trusted group of friends that you'll play these review copies with them uh, if the game's complex, if the game's mm. complex, I might do like a few turns just yeah. to help learn the rules. Uh-huh. But most of the time, I'll tend to get it from the book and maybe just maybe a one-turn example. If it's a solo game that I can do in solo, then I will generally do that first. Yeah, as long as it's not a completely different mode, you know, because uh-huh. some games like you know Stonemaier stuff, they've got the autonomous modes, and if you play Scythe yeah. in solo mode, it's nothing like playing it in proper multiplayer. No. But no, I don't really have a select group. I just literally take it to a club or a group of close friends if I'm going around there for dinner or something and yeah. say, you know, here's a game. I've learned the rules. Want to learn it. And as long as I know I've got the rules to teach it, yeah. I'm happy because I don't want a select group. It's like when you tell designers, don't play test it with your select group of friends and no one else. You need to get it out there. Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing with a review copy of a game. I need to be able to say about this game, right... I have literally read the rule book once. I'm now going to play this game. Some people have not heard of it, and they're going to. And I'm going to see how easy it is to teach it, how easy it is for them to get into it, whether they mm. enjoyed it, and that's so much better for me to come up with some thoughts of whether the game's good or not, rather than saying, "All right, I'm going to play this one game with these three people only, who I know only like these types of games." Yeah, because then yeah. it doesn't work. You know, so yeah, I just take it to the Portsmouth Club, or, I mean, it's not the only club I go to. I go to a Southampton and a Petersfield one as well. Oh, right, again. okay. There's a lot of local ones in Hampshire. It's quite great. But, oh, that's cool. And, yeah, I'll just take it to the clubs and get them played. That's why I can usually turn the reviews relatively quickly, because it will be a case of, right, I've had these in this week. Yeah. Okay, I'll take those two on Monday. I'll take that one on Wednesday. I'm seeing them on Saturday. Yeah, great. There you go. Now I can get all my plays in. <laughs> and you, do you... Do you... Do you do the preparation then beforehand? Do you kind of like, as you say, do you play a couple of turns so it's quite easy for everybody to grasp it? It depends on the... Well, if I'm teaching the game to someone else, then Mm. I'll be teaching the rules before I start the game and I just might show them on the board. But in terms of myself, it really just depends on the game. I mean, if it's a complex one, I'll run through a couple of turns myself just so I can go, oh, yeah, that's how it flows, that's all good. But then let's take something like Ethnos, for example. I read the rule book in less than 10 minutes and realised, yeah, this is dirt simple. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I can teach it. It's like, well, that's good though because I like games that are like that. Yeah, uh, you know, the game can have depth and still be simple to teach. They're the ones that I tend to like. I get sick and tired of these. I, I suppose it's becoming a bit of a problem in the industry in general. I think, from my perspective, is that games are starting to come out that are so overly complex that only the elitist can play them, or they'll certainly be like, oh yeah, I can. You know, you can play it, but it's going to take you two hours to learn it and then about another three hours to play it. And yeah. I just miss seeing a lot of nice, simple, streamlined games that are like, mm-hmm. teach it in less than 15 minutes, get yeah. playing for an hour, hour and a half, and test your brain cells enough to enjoy it. And there are some like that that do come out, but I wish there was more. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think it's the strive, I think, this is what you got to watch out for, I guess, as the games industry expands and you get more and more titles coming out and you get the titles coming out through Kickstarter as well. You'll see people trying to do something different for the sake of some try to do something different and some people trying to add in more mechanics so they can say, well, look, we are a lot more different than kind of what else is, what else is kind of out there. 
have you had the experience of taking one of your review games to say your group and then everybody sits around and after about you know half an hour you kind of everybody shares glances and it's obvious it's not the best game in the world or have you been quite lucky with your review copies most of the review copies I tend to ask for myself. So, I mean, I'll get some games that have turned out to be quite bad, hmm. um, but we still finish the game, and I'll I'll get the feedback afterwards that, yeah, that wasn't as enjoyable. Yeah, but yeah. I would generally, 75% of the time, ask for the review copies specifically. Now, that doesn't yeah. mean that I'm only going after the games that I think I'll enjoy. I think I yeah. tend to go after the games that I know people want to hear about. Yeah, There'll yeah. be some really obscure game that no one's ever heard of, and it's like, well... It may be good, it may be bad, but mm-hmm. who's actually looking for it? You know, I want it to, you know, somebody to actually want to read it. And so, yeah. you know, I mean, Ethnos at first, I probably would not have, you know, gone for it at first because I would have thought looks a bit bland, doesn't look like much. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah. was getting hyped and buzz, and I thought, I've got to check this out and find out more. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. when I discovered it. But I have had occasional games in the past where I have had a review copy, whether it's because I've asked for it or. You know, I've just been like, usually I've been asked, you know, maybe like by a distributor or a retailer saying, oh, yeah, this game's where we've just putting this on our stores now. Can you review it? Yeah, yeah. And I might get it, and it might be one of the most abysmal things I've ever played. <laughs> I know I had a bad uh, deal with that. With um, Do you remember a little card game called The Game? Yeah, that, that rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, literally just called The Game. I mean, how, yeah. in, how ingenious was that? <laughs> but. That was just a little card game you could play solitaire with a bunch of people, and and I absolutely hated that game. I could not see why it was like that, but you know, you know, some people will like it, and it's. The, I don't think there's really been much of a time when I've played a game that's a review copy with people, and everyone's hated it. There's usually somebody that likes it for whatever reason, and that's good because then it leads, it yeah. helps me when I do the review to think. Right, I don't like it for these reasons, but other people don't mind that, so this is worth bringing up. And I think, you know, some games... Because I say, I if I don't like a game, I'll talk about it. I will not hold back. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how hyped it is. Mm-hmm. And it will... You have to really put... You know, you have to set your defenses up sometimes, you know, to take a game like, say, Terraforming Mars or Great Western Trail and say, I don't particularly like this game. Yeah. Because some people will actually agree with you great yeah some people yeah. some people will disagree with you but give reasons as to why they disagree great yeah. perfect that's fine you just have to be careful the ones that disagree with you and act as if you've literally just gone around their house and insulted their <laughs> child to their face because they take it so seriously yeah that's to watch out for yeah but that's the thing i i could review something like terraforming mars and go I personally don't like it for these reasons. Yeah. But others did. And if you are into that, or if you don't mind this part, then great. I think you're going to have a blast. That's perfectly fine. I've got no issues with that. And that is the mark of why everyone differs on board games in general. But I can't think of a game where I've got it, put it on the table, and everyone's hated it. No, that's good. Because even something like Exploding Kittens, I mean, I can't stand that game. But from friends of mine... You know, love playing it with their kids. Yeah, because from it's the, so you know, simple. The sales and stuff that has had, and you know, and there's the, obviously the elephant in the room, Mister and Mrs. Cards Against Humanity, which, <laughs> which I'm starting <laughs> to get sick and tired of now. I mean, I feel 
this the clones that are coming out for that at yeah. the moment you know, where people are saying look at my amazing game what is it it's cards against humanity but i've done this and it's like the second you say it's cards against humanity that's basically right i'm turned off now not that i don't necessarily like the game but it's like seriously you could not just come up with your own yeah, idea you had I to got, copy this yeah, <laughs> i kind of remember getting a, a kind of an email um i don't know if it was an email or a message through something asking us to talk about their game and it was a it was a game which was it was swear word in the title <laughs> and i was just like oh do you fancy coming on and talking about it so like, i'm not going to spend my time using the f word through the show to describe the game and it was just like oh we're being really edgy and it's like no no you're being you're being 13 that's what you're <laughs> that's kind of what you a lot of these games being. are like that i mean we know we've yeah. had it it's been fun pr- yeah. usually when it's not done in such a rude way no I mean, uh, you know cards against humanity has come out a friend of mine bought a uh, joking hazard no oh, yeah yeah based yeah, on that, that web yeah. comic and yeah. it's fun it generates some laughs but it's crude and yeah. I've got to the point where I've now desensitized to any crude humor in those games. It's like, I want someone to come up with something ingenious or yeah. something clever, not just simply put some sick photo in front of something and say, that's funny. Yeah. But yeah. there's been non-rude versions of that. The original Say Anything technically wasn't meant to be a rude game. People just twist it when they play it. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can write anything. And lo and behold, the last time I played it, I was with a group of unknowns who literally just wanted to twist it like anything. So that was great. <laughs> but... Are the ones I uh, believe, I think it's more like the describey games that work best. Like, I mean, Snake Oil, uh, Super Fight, yeah, uh, one or two others. Obama uh, Llama, I've heard, is an excellent game for um, kind of like that kind of thing, just getting people to use their imagination, and it's meant to be really, really good fun. Yeah, that one I like. I like those ones better. I mean, granted, they've got the same problem as Cards Against Humanity. They're getting cloned like crazy, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, it's just the same thing. You've just changed the theme. Yeah. But those ones I don't mind so much because they're not as crude. You know, this is imagination and cleverness, not just rude words. I know that makes me sound incredibly old, but <laughs> well, you're not going to be older than me, so it's all it's all good, Luke. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it's you in my house now. <laughs> you're just you're just young, and you're just a young little man. That's all you need to think about because I no doubt an awful lot older than you are. With you, get off um, my lawn. <laughs> exactly, get off my land. Um, with you, obviously having the profile that you do, um, and this isn't me going to go. Oh, you're so wonderful, and I I'm going to say with. With, yeah, with, with you having with you having the profile that you do in the presence out there and being part of the Dice Tower Network, do you get approached by a lot of Kickstarter people to do kind of like previews and reviews? Do you have a are you coming across that a lot more? Uh, sometimes, occasionally, like the odd email or Facebook yeah. message will come through asking for that. But I've mm. come up with a steadfast rule now that I just don't want to do Kickstarters. Yeah, because I, I mean. I, buy a lot of kickstarters but they tend to be from well-known publishers uh-huh. you know rarely do i suddenly go oh yeah this complete random has done a game i'm gonna back it with my own cash uh-huh. Uh-huh. and i'm a bit like a i suppose a bit like z garcia in that respect because he said similar things on q a's before i want to see a final version of the game yeah yeah before i start putting my thoughts into it so yeah. if somebody asked me to preview their kickstarter i'd rather just say look you know what this isn't what i do because firstly it won't be a final copy of the game 
So no. that means I can't really give a fair opinion on it. Yeah. Secondly, a lot of Kickstarters out there, yes, there's 5% of Kickstarters which are awesome. There is 95% of Kickstarters out there that are god-awful and horrible. You know, I don't want to have to say to somebody, look, this game ain't going to work. Yeah. And it's just like, it's extra time on top of that as well. I mean, occasionally I will do a Kickstarter one, but they are super rare. And usually it's only if it's someone I know anyway. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Paul Harris, he's I don't know, name dropping, but he he runs um, Handicom. Uh, twice a year the little yeah, convention yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's designing a game which he'll probably put on Kickstarter soon but he brought it to the expo called Scrumpy now I've played it because he brought it to one of our Southampton clubs and obviously it's still in prototype form so that's essentially the equivalent that was an exception though because one I know the guy <laughs> two yeah. he knows I'm going to be honest about it and he doesn't have a problem with this you know because he's actively saying if you don't like the game tell me why and I can try and fix it and also because the well, actually partially just because of the theme you know I, I come from Somerset originally so he already knew that if he's going to design a game called Scrumpy he has to get me involved <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I can't turn around and not review a game called Scrumpy when I'm from Somerset it just does not no. work <laughs> I mean you get chucked out wouldn't you exactly I'd be banned from Somerset and the um Paul is going to be coming on the show. So there you go. He's really? going to be. Well, is he yeah. on the? He's on the list, is he? He is on. Yeah, he's on. He's on the list. Like there's a list. There's a. Yeah. He, um. Yeah. I was like Paul. Paul. Scrumpy. Yeah. That. That makes. I was just checking my calendar. Like, yep. He's going to be end of um end of July. We're going to have a visit from Mister Harris. Ah, sweet. So, no doubt he'll be talking about Scrumpy and Handycon and probably nothing else. But <laughs> well, that's fair enough because, as I say, it's um, as I said to you at the beginning, it is kind of is kind of your night. Um, are there games that you are kind of looking forward to that you are hoping you get the email through to say, would you like to, would you like to review it? anything that's kind of coming in the next kind of year, three months that you've kind of went, ooh, want some of that. Not so much on the review front. I mean, there's stuff that's going to come out soon that yeah. is going to be, you know, fun games and that. Yeah. With me, I think the main thing I'm looking forward to, which I'll do reviews for these. They won't be review copies because I've already backed them, but it'll be the various Kickstarters that come through. Yeah. And once I get the, like, the videos up and running, I'll be able to do more reviews of not just the stuff I get as review copies, but also just stuff in general I've bought. Mm-hmm. And it's these Kickstarters that I'm really like, come on, please work. Because I've got, <laughs> you know, I'm expecting the entire Hostage Negotiator collection uh-huh. through. I yeah. I reviewed that once in its base form. I now want to give it another shot with all the stuff added because yeah. it really helps. But then I've got uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse, the final expansion, backed. And yep, I am okay. praying that is as good as the rest of it. <laughs> like, well, it... we've had, we've had, uh, was it, um, we've had Christopher on from Greater Than Games, and uh, he, he promised it was. So there you go. <laughs> I'm sure he did. I, I cannot believe he didn't call his booth Greater Than Games at the expo. So I. I don't think he was known. I don't think the booth was great in games. I think he was under some other name or with other people. Oh, so right, I'd forgotten okay. he was there. And I thought, oh my god, this is my favorite game ever. And I did not go to meet the designer. You did moron! You it's like... <laughs> oh my goodness, because he would have uh, had strong hair game. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a strong hair game. He's got like, like this. I'm just jealous because I, you know, 
as far as um, because I'm old, my my hair has decided it's going to start doing things, interesting things like grow out of my ears and grow out of my nose instead, but not decide it wants to grow out the top of my head. And you know, and I think when we had the interview with with him, um, he kind of I think he came on Skype first of all with his video on, and he was like, "Phew!" It was like a kind of a Timothy L'Oreal kind of swishing his hair advert. It's just like you're just doing this just to mock me. <laughs> but no, he was a good. He was a good chat. He was a good. He's not like he a closet a, elf or anything, is he? I mean, <laughs> well, he, he's, he's, he promised me he wasn't a wizard, but I don't know. We'll need to. <laughs> we'll need to kind of see. We'll need to kind of see on that. Um, <clears throat> the game is magical. <laughs> don't. Um, <clears throat> we just let people away with magic, the gathering, and, and you know that's that's kind of as far as that's basically as far as far as we like to go. Um, what about anything else that's kind of coming out that you you know you're you're kind of um, looking forward to to finding it more? I mean, for myself, it's Charterstone. I must admit that I am dying to see what that kind of game is about. Um, that's probably high up on the list, actually. I'll admit because I mean I haven't heard much about it and I haven't looked into it that much. I didn't want to sort of get because I've mentioned this before. Hype is one of the, my biggest killers for games because yeah. you get a game, it gets hyped like crazy, and then you get it and it never lives up to it. I mm. love Scythe, but even I admit that doesn't deserve the amount of hype it got. You know, I I just happen to love it, but games just get ridiculously overhyped. <laughs> And I don't want to run that through with Charterstone either. It sounds like something I'm going to love. Stonemire, Legacy, building like resource mountain, almost like a mini civilization thing. Perfect. It sounds ideal for me. Yeah. But yeah, that's probably certainly quite high on the list, I would suspect. I'm just trying to see what no, else is coming out. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I think I prefer Viticulture over Scythe, as I said in the episode where we kind of reviewed, did a, kind of a rundown on both of them. I do, I but only just because <laughs> they were both in my top ten last year. Yeah, where was oh. you? Yeah, well, mine was I put Viticulture just above Scythe, but I think that was because of the way that Scythe finished for us, in terms of the last kind of um, calculation mechanic for working out the points. I kind of didn't grasp it at the time, and then went, "Oh, right, okay, so I should have been more popular," <laughs> kind of thing instead of gathering all these fabulous. Uh, Fabulous, fantastic kind of resources. Um, it's not the be all or end all, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it certainly yeah. helps. But yeah, I agree. I mean, Viticulture is taking over that one because it's a bit more accessible yeah. as such. I mean, I'm trying to think of many big games that are coming. I mean, certainly anything, the Time Story expansions, you know, that come out later this year, I yeah. love that game. So I'm hoping that they're going to be just as good or maybe improve on yeah. what's being done because it's kind of drifted a little bit. I have a, I would like to hope that Lisboa is going to give me a good feeling because I've been a massive fan of Vital Lacerda's designs to date with his Euro games. And granted, I haven't played CO2, but I'm waiting for a second edition. I thought that was actually meant to be out by now, a Kickstarter for that, but I haven't seen anything yet. But he was going to reprint it, so I wanted to play that first. Yeah, But I've I've liked Vinyos, I love Kanban, I love The Gallerist. It's like, this is a heavy Euro with good theme. Perfect. <laughs> so Exactly, right up your, right your kind of alley. It's I've a Euro seen... with theme, great. But uh, Lisboa is one that I've only looked at, and it's like, okay, this is a bit of a weird colour scheme, and it's not the first thematic setting I would jump on, but yeah. it's Vital Lacerda, I want to try it. And that, <laughs> I'm hoping that this isn't going to be like the, oh, I love this stuff. Up until now, I really don't want to have to say that. No, no. I mean, I'm, personally, I'm um, a couple of level 99 games that are coming out that I've seen. Seventh Cross, 
um, which is claiming to be kind of Castlevania inspired, um, and also um, Imperial, um, Imperial Steam by Level Ninety Nine Games, which is like a kind of a card game train type game which is the D it's got the artwork up and the art artwork is up to the usual kind of level ninety nine standard. It's fantastic kind of anime styly kind of thing. Um the stuff for Seventh Cross reminds you of kind of like the Sym- Symphony of the Night kind of Castlevania kind of anime type style. So they both look kind of kind of interesting. I guess the other thing is it's like going through the games that we all I already have and should be playing already rather than kind of looking to the Kind of the future. I mean, there's other Kickstarter games that are uh, that GKR Giant Killer Robots um, that was out that was by Weta. That kind of no, really heard of that of, one. It's oh, it's just kind of like big, huge robots fighting and about fighting each other in a city, and it looks um, it looked fantastic. And it was Weta, so it was you know it was kind of like oh well, really kind of interested in that. So that should be. Quite good fun. Um, Grim Slingers yeah. will be coming out soon. Well, that'll be getting fulfilled hopefully over the next couple of months. Um, and that's Greenbrier Games, but it was Stephen S. Gibson that did the artwork for it, and the artwork on that is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, there's uh, there's not much I can think of for the future. I mean, I suppose Rising Sun's a good one because I it took me. I was I'm in an hour about do I back it? Do I not? It's yeah. really expensive, and I caved in at the last minute and backed it. Uh-huh. And now I'm hoping I don't live to regret that decision. So, you know, because I, <laughs> well, I didn't latch on to Blood Rage as much as other people. Yeah. So I'm hoping that this one's different enough to make me go, right, this is what I wanted from the original one, yeah. even though I know they are different games. So this is like, oh, please be please be good. Um, I suppose. Did the, you go the into mo- all the extan- expansions as well? Because there was a second box you could go into, which was yes. kind of like, cool. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know. I thought, well, if I do like it, then I will be annoyed if I don't have everything. I mean, at the end of the day, if I don't like it, somebody will have it. So it's not the end of the I know, world, it's exactly. I... You can just stick it up on kind of like, um, there's the Kickstarter kind of, not the Kickstarter sales page, but there's the Kickstarter regret pages I like to see because you always see yeah. like a, a kind of a Conan the Barbarian kind of king level kind of thing. Or there's like, here's my copy of um, um here's my copy of Others, The Seven Sins. Here's another one. And it was, the, I think the only ones I've ever seen kind of getting any flack was kind of um, Gloomhaven when people put a couple of copies of Gloomhaven up at like three hundred pound and folk were like, steady on. Yeah, um, that, I really do hate the secondary market when it comes to those things i mean it's up to yes. them what price they want to do but when i yeah. know that someone's bought it or paid that kind of price it just makes me sad because yep. we knew that gloomhaven was coming with a second print and i mean i don't have it it's it's not something i know i would get to the table enough i don't yeah. i don't think it's a bad game i just don't think it's the hotness but no. you know even i i can't deny that for a hundred pound you're getting a ton of game it is yes, good value yes. and it's still good you know it's not the best thing ever but it's a good game yeah but i was never going to get it and uh, I knew that the reprint was coming for a hundred quid. Why do I want to pay you two hundred quid for your old copy that doesn't even have everything in it? And I see this a lot. That when Games Workshop pulled away from Fantasy Flight, constantly oh in goodness, secondhand yeah. sales, yeah. I'm seeing Fury of Dracula and Forbidden yeah. Stars and Chaos yeah. in the Old World going for like eighty, ninety pounds. It's just like, guys, come on. <laughs> yes, it's going to be out of print, but you obviously don't like the game enough to it's, keep it, it because that's why you're selling it so it let someone else have like fun like you spoke about this before did you potentially do an episode recently called scalpers mr hector 
No comment. Um, <laughs> that that actually was oh, it was a fun one and a little bit of a rant, but that got a lot of feedback. Not like negative. It, it was yeah. a bit of both. Well, not. Yeah. I mean, no, no, there wasn't really any negative feedback, but there was a yeah. lot of debates with that about oh yeah I agree or actually I think it's alright or you know I disagree because of this this and this and it's mm, like wow yeah. nothing has ever got so much response then I think that you're one coming, yeah but I think you're coming down to money and you're coming down to ownership and it comes down to what you think a game is kind of worth yeah and that's I, incredibly subjective yeah and there's also I think there's only a couple of times I've seen people kind of really have a go at somebody else and it was the times with Gloomhaven but I also remember somebody selling a, a a copy of Mechs and Minions, I think it was like three months before the next run was due out. And basically they had pretty much opened the cardboard box the game had been shipped in and basically says, oh, I'm selling this for, I think they were asking 175 quid for it. And I, I think they were kind of lucky to get away with their clothes. I think by the time the kind of crowd had descended on them, I think the admin had to come in and say, listen, you know, They've got the right to sell it. You've got the right to buy it. You know, if they want to do mm. it, that's fine. But if you want to hear Luke talk <laughs> about this subject, there There's is, better I think episodes. It's, it's <laughs> not that long ago this episode, but it was entirely a, a whole load of fun. Um, and it was all it was all about scalpers, and it's certainly kind of worthwhile um, listening to. You went to the UK Games Expo, which I'm assuming you're still recovering from in terms of your feet and also your teeth. Sounding by the amount of iron brew you've potentially drunk, even though it's sugar free. I haven't um, gone that mad with it, but I mean, yeah, so, just feet and mind more than anything else. I'm still like drained from it because it was uh, even more exhausting this time. And it, it wasn't, I don't go around the expo doing loads of interviews. I did a couple no. and I'll report on them when I do my video chat about it. Yeah. But I don't do the whole, I go around with a video camera doing interviews because one, I don't have all the equipment for it, and two, I'm not satisfied enough with the quality of it. Yeah. So this is just literally going around, helping out the Dice Tower, doing demo games, shopping about, and just walking around that place for ages. Yeah. It just takes it out of you. And when you think, oh, right, the trade hall's finished, I can now rest, then people are like, well, what, you know, do you want to come over to this table? I'm demoing a few of these, you know, can you give me your thoughts? It's like, whew, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's always good, but it's like you don't get a chance to sit down. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I say, when you've got a reputation... When you've got a reputation, you you can you just have to expect these kind of things. Um, I, I, I'm a... not knocking it. I mean, it's cool enough when somebody just comes on and says, <laughs> "I listen to your stuff" or whatever, because <laughs> people like the Dice Tower and shut up and sit down, and I get it all the time. Yeah, and they're used to it. Yeah, a slot who are very much small fry. You know, I've never thought of myself as big or ever would get that big, and. You know, we don't. We're not used to having people sort of say, "Oh, I listen to your stuff," or "I recognise the voice and that." And it's kind of, we love it, and we're willing to say hi, but it does throw us off guard. It's a bit, <laughs> yeah. You kind of get no oh, shocks, hmm, me but, kind of thing, yeah. But it's, it's good though, especially when it's oh, someone yeah. you've chatted with on Twitter for ages, and you don't realise it's them until they've actually introduced themselves, because you're talking to an avatar for ages, and it's not until they come up to you at a convention and go, "It's me, it's Johnny." Is oh right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Thank God like, you talk... filled that blank in because I had no idea who you were a minute ago. <laughs> was there a game of the show that's kind of stood out for you that you went, ooh, nice? Hmm. Uh, well, I did get to demo First Martians and I am looking forward to that one, actually. That could probably go with my I hope this is good because yeah. I have already said many a time that I once called Robinson Crusoe overrated when I played it <laughs> multiplayer. 
mm-hmm. I then regretted that decision after yeah. buying it and playing it solo more often. And now oh, it is. Right. A ver- I now I realise. Yeah, this is actually a really good game, solo yeah. or multiplayer. I just had to give it more time. First Martians looks like it's going to take it and make it even better, especially with the use of an app. And I've been a complete patriot for apps in board games lately. So this one I'm really hoping does the trick. So that was good fun. Uh, I, I don't know if there was any others that say stood out by themselves. I just played quite a lot of games where I thought, oh, this is actually all right. Yeah. And I mean, all sorts. Uh, was it? I mean, I'm just going to go very quickly through lists, but I mean, like Petrichor, um, mm-hmm. David Terzi one with the clouds and dropping yeah. rain. I thought yeah. that was quite neat and very, yeah. very pretty. Uh, Dice Hospital in prototype stage. That was a nice little uh, That's, sort of uh, light. Caesar. I forget I who's doing it, but it's. Um, I think maybe. Alicat it's, Games? It's, yeah, some of that. And I think Mike Nudd's a designer. I might be yeah. wrong. Hang on. Yeah. Um, let me see. The, the, Mike Nudd and Stan called. Kodonsky, sorry if I completely messed up that name. But it's like, it's like, I'm very bad with those with names like that. But yeah, it's Alley Cat Games. Yeah, yeah, okay, um, yeah. And that was a very nice, light-hearted, you know, fun-themed little dice game. Uh, Kitchen Rush, the timed game yep. from Artipia, perfectly themed. But you know, do you like timed games or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, Century Spice Road that was kind of like the game of the expo I think that was everybody everyone that says here's my haul for the expo and I saw Century turning up in pretty much most people's piles so I'm it's interested good. to find out I, more about it it is good but everyone yeah. is calling it a splendor killer I don't know if I'd go that far that's a big that's a big shout if you're saying a splendor killer because splendor is just um, have they not released a kind of an uh, an expansion themselves so that's some that's some big words for people to be shouting out about Splendor because um, it's firm. It's one of these things that's becoming. Um, it's almost like a a very decent kind of gateway game. It's kind of entering into that kind mm. of fold of you know, if you want to help people get into board games, get the Splendor out there, get your Carcassonne out there, kind of thing. So it is. I would call it a staple gateway game. I mean, I've yeah, warmed yeah. up to it more over the years. I wasn't big on it when I first played it, and now it's like, oh, you know what? I'm actually liking <laughs> the simplicity of it, and now I have it in the collection because it is such a good gateway game. Yeah. But I yeah. played Century Spice Road and thought, sort of gateway, but there's a bit more thought required because you got to do all this like shenanigans with the cubes. Uh-huh. Looks very nice, and it does play very much like a Splendor type card game. Yes, but. I feel that it's different enough. I just feel like, you know, do you want the slightly more tricksy version or do you want the simplistic version? And then pick your game based on that. But I also didn't want to say it was a Splendor Killer because I knew, obviously, you just mentioned it, Cities, the expansion. Yeah. I played that as well. I only played one module, but that module made the game better. And there's other modules in it where I'm like, yeah, that would definitely be an improvement. And it's kind of like, yeah. well, yeah. I can't say, oh, the Century of Spice Road has killed Splendor <laughs> until Cities comes out. And then that will kill Spice Road. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I know, exactly. It's like, you know, my, da- my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad could beat mm. you in a fight. It's like, yeah, my dad's driving his car towards your dad. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> kind of thing. But a few others, uh, are you new? Is it, it's on Kickstarter at the moment. It's like the weirdest name ever. It's just, are you? NU. I yeah, don't know okay. how you're supposed to pronounce it. I don't think even the uh, guy from you know the publishers actually Ludi Creations actually knew how to pronounce it it's either. But probably pronounced Shuni or something like that. Just it's probably it's, it's probably pronounced Jeff, to be perfectly honest. It's like it, it's gonna be some bizarre thing that no one knows. But oh, that was a neat little card game. Uh, 
another one of Diesel Demolition Derby. It was like a titchy little thing. I thought, oh, great, this is going to be some unheard game. No one's yeah. going to care. Very cool little 30 minute drafting uh, beat em up game. I thought, you know, pretty sweet. Cool. Uh, I think the only thing that probably didn't wow me too much was probably the Batman Miniatures game. That was probably my weak link for everything. And that's not to say it was bad. But, my God, when you've heard of something basically reskinned, this is not so much a reskin of Conan. This is literally all they did was cross out the word Conan and write in Batman and felt tip. <laughs> it literally is really? the same game. And they've admitted mm. it themselves. I mean, they know it's like that. And it'll sell because it's Batman and yeah, it's got some miniatures. Yeah, I know, but Conan got a bit of bad press for the, the length. And we've, I've said this before in previous episodes, for the length of time it took them to get Conan in their hands, which is one of these things that got flipped incredibly quickly when people started to get their copies because they'd just been waiting so long they went, nah, I'm, you know, I have no interest in playing this kind of game. So, yeah, I kind of think re reskinning something and putting it out there as a newer game, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. It's kind of like, do you know what it's like? It's like reskinning Love Letter and putting Batman on it and saying, look, there you go. That's the theme, which they have done. <laughs> there is a Batman. Many times. Lo- but... Yeah, which, yeah, but um, reskinning an entire miniatures game and, and it's gotta, you've, there's got to be something extra there because otherwise people will sit there and say, well, I'm just playing with a. I'm just playing with different miniatures, but I'm just playing the Conan rules. So Yeah, we'll I mean, see. I don't mind the. Uh... Was it? Yeah, I didn't mind the miniatures one Conan generally. I thought, mm. okay, this is all right. Yeah. But the problem with it is that, like I say, it's just a reskin. And the original one had such a god awful rule book that, you know, they had to reprint it online in order to say, oh, yeah, this is a, you know, this is how it is. But if they don't, they better make certain that the rule book is good because otherwise it's going to be a pain. But yeah. the flaws, the problems I have with Conan are then repeated in this one because mm. it hasn't changed. And one of my biggest gripes with it is there's just not enough time in the rounds to get the objectives done. It's yeah. not to say that the missions are impossible, but my God, you, you have to focus entirely on the objectives because yeah, no. you cannot afford to deviate and do your own thing. Because yeah. if you deviate even slightly or if the dice just don't go your way, you've lost. You know, the yeah. scenario we... The scenario we had was a like diffuse C four or something in a subway station. Okay, cool thing, cool yeah, setting, and yeah, you get to fight yeah. Bane and stuff like that. Oh, cool. But okay. we were doing quite well. I thought we well, jumped straight in, got it. Jumped straight in, got it. The opponent, the the Overlord, had some bad die rolls that helped, but we still lost out because of time, and mm. it was mainly because when I had to do a dice roll, it just came up short. But this is when the Overlord was rolling badly, and I just thought, well, if he just literally armed one extra bomb or something, it would have been physically impossible to do the yeah. mission. Yeah. You know, they really do need to up the time length of those games so that you can actually have fun with it. But, yeah, it's, it, that was just a sort of weak link. I had fun. It was fun doing the Batman theme, but I just, I know, I thought, yep, you've just reskinned Conan. It's like mm. I was expecting something a bit different. Cool. So, what's next for yourself? I mean, I've seen, um, I've seen you mention there's is it Zatu? You're started doing some writing for Z- a bit of writing for Zatu now. You're obviously continuing the podcast. You're getting there with the videos. 
As you see, as you God. see every week. Oh, I feel like I owe like everyone a massive apology for that. I, it's like, like now's been... your time. The floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, I know you're one of them though. You've already taunted me with it. No, I, no, it was a kind of a gentle kind of remind reminder that um, it is almost like a part section of the show. <laughs> yeah, it's like updates on my video now because it's just been so hard to balance it with the full time job. Especially uh, when I've had to get the equipment and that. It's yeah. like, oh, I need this bit. Nope, I'll. Oh no! I need that bit now. Right, get that delivered. Right, save up some money. It's like oh, absolute massive learning curve, which wasn't so much a curve, more like a vertical cliff. But it's it, like I say, I literally have recorded my first promo video. All I got to do is just get some music and yeah. animation for the intros, edit it together, and fine. Done. It's not perfect. Done. You know, people have just told me recently. You know, it's gr- you know, if you've got half decent quality, that's fine. Don't try to make it movie quality just get something out there and you can improve as you go along and it probably will because i've watched over the footage and it's like that actually didn't turn out too bad however focus (laughs) here and stuff like that and it's like right okay i'll just improve on it but at least it's content yeah and so literally i know it's like a broken record by this point but you know the fact that i've actually got footage recorded and being edited (laughs) is like yeah it's coming you know this month it will start and it will carry on and it will be fine and I was more—I was more hoping for you to talk about Zatu, and not just the fine. It's like you know, it, the the video thing we kind of we completely understand. But Zatu, <laughs> you've started—you um, started um, writing some reviews for them, if I'm correct. That's on—is it board-games.co.uk? I think. Yeah, it's a weird website name because you'd think it would just be Zatu.co.uk, but the essentially what I've done because of the written reviews is hmm. that. You know, I've just done them on my sites, but I know that there's other places where you can put articles up as well and you can yeah, mingle yeah. with some other people. And I've done a few guest reviews for Games Quest in the past. Yeah. So every now and again that's happened. I've also do like a monthly guest review for uh, Chaos Cards, um, you know, for a specific yeah. game. No, no. And we've had uh, Tracy on from Chaos Cards a little while ago. Yeah, yeah, lovely lady. As I say, so she, you know, she's been in con. I've been in contact with her and said, you know, anything you'd like me to put a review out for or something. If mm. you can just reference it in a newsletter or something, and it's like cool. that's working well. Um, okay. In fact, I've got to do the first exit game, uh, the Secret Lab or whatever, because I haven't played those yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got to do that for her very soon. Oh, Looking cool. quite forward to those, and. Zatu is the most recent one where I'd not even heard of the website before, which is kind of weird because most of the retailers and that out there I've kind of come across. But for some reason, Zatu just hasn't appeared in searches, maybe because it doesn't call its website Zatu.co.uk. Yeah. Maybe that doesn't yeah, help, but yeah, yeah. I'm not an SEO expert. But he approached, I think they approached me and said, like, you know, do you want to do stuff for us and i think i'd also like come across the website and they'd said we're looking for other people i was like okay why not i'll uh you know put some details through and like very recently we've contacted and i've written some stuff i mean not a lot of it has been published yet some of it's been they put up like articles saying uh we want a 300 word review on your favorite worker placement game or something like that yeah yeah and they're on there and we've got a platform to put our stuff up but they just haven't been published but the first one i did was he said like well why don't you talk about your most favorite game and it's like oh yeah i haven't actually reviewed sentinels in the multiverse yet so you know what i better (laughs) actually do it and you know i bang on about it so much yet i never did a full review so that was a perfect opportunity yeah and I've just done a 
you know, I've given them another one recently, and you know, I'll do more stuff in it. They basically have a list of games that you can just sort of go, oh yeah, I'll, I'll do one for that. <laughs> they don't provide you with a review copy, but you know, it's a case of well, you want uh, some publicity out there, or you just want to mingle with some other reviewers because we're quite chatty. Then great, it's a nice. You got to get your name out there when you're one of. If you're going to blog about anything, you need to get your name out there. You need to start engaging with the public. Yeah. Because yeah, otherwise, you're in a cave by yourself and no one will hear of you. Yeah. So, were you actually obviously sitting in your man cave at the moment, surrounded by Kallax units, other shelving units are available? Uh, it's in um, the other room, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is more my... I'm not even sure I would call it a cave. It's probably the most brightest room in the house but it's literally just my literally just my pc uh yeah literally i'll spin around in my chair what have i got let's see i've got yeah pc and desk uh some yeah. cardboard boxes from uh, review copies i've got so i can post games out uh a a different type of shelf but only for my my accounting records and various things like a laminator and that and my recipe cookbooks <laughs> and that's pretty much all that's in this room oh yeah and some microphone equipment <laughs> it's more of a dumping ground than anything else so from there if people have listened tonight and kind of want to you know read some of your stuff um listen to some of your stuff um where can they find you there's several avenues you can do first of all the actual website itself is brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk it's a blogger platform that is where you'll find pretty much the details on me including the reviews you can also subscribe to the uh, podcast via there and see my twitter feed sort of going on on um i'm on twitter at the broken meeple uh facebook as well search for the same name the podcast is hosted on soundcloud but if you just search for the broken meeple on a typical i use podcast addict as my thing but i believe you can find it on itunes and that as well just search for broken meeple you'll be able to subscribe to that feed uh the youtube has got my old videos on there i just left the channel dormant for a while but soon that's going to start populating with uh more videos so i'll be using the same broken meeple channel for that cool and finally there's a patreon campaign as well uh again under the broken meeple which is you know barely started it's in its early days but it's basically you know i want to improve this over time but Mm. equipment and courses and training cost money therefore anything that can help is there so pretty much if you just search for the broken meeple on most social media platforms or patreon you will find something to do with me (laughs) absolutely but we will make sure that all of those links will be in the show notes so we have notes to show as we always say (laughs) um Look, this has been a lot of fun. It's always good to chat with somebody who's far more professional and better at you at doing something, because now I can go away and cry. Um, <laughs> you really have a low opinion of yourself, man. I am no, no I professional. Don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. I, don't. <laughs> I mean, I've just um, been saying for the past hour that I, you know, literally do this myself on the fly, unscripted. You know, that's not professional. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, maybe we can both make... make each other feel better um which is always good um but no there, listen there. Thank- have some iron brew <laughs> other fizzy Don't- drinks are available oh uh, yeah exactly others yeah exactly thank you terms and conditions available on request um listen thank you very very much for coming on this has been it's been a lot of fun yeah same you know, here, Rich. it has been a lot of fun um if you want to keep an eye on what we're doing <clears throat> um so 
obviously stick with us. Um, you know, obviously have a look at Luke's stuff because it is a lot of fun and a lot of it. Uh, it's very, very entertaining. Um, he does a lot of top tens. He does the top tens of stuff he likes. He does uh, various genre stuff that he likes. The top tens. He does his topics like the scalping, the top ten annoying game pl- uh, players, which is you <laughs> should listen to because it's a lot. It's really quite funny. Um, including the one that we can add on tonight as well. Um, but if you want to check on what we're up to, you we are on the internet webs as well, so you can find us if you search for We're Not Wizards. So we have got we've got our Twitter, which is We're Not Wizards. We've got our Facebook, which is We're Not Wizards. We have got our Instagram, which is We're Not Wizards. If you search for us in Apple Podcasts and search for We're Not Wizards, you'll find us there as well. If you like what you've heard tonight, then please like and subscribe and drop us a quick review. If you're dropping us a review, as we always say, don't give us a 10, because that'll make us feel big-headed. But don't give us a 1, because that'll make us cry. Give us somewhere in the middle, like a 5, because that's average. Well, aim we, higher. <laughs> and we are decided. <laughs> and we are decidedly average. Minimum uh, seven. Minimum <laughs> seven on an iTunes review. Um, <laughs> um, and we're also on YouTube as well. Um, if you search for "We're Not Wizards" tabletop uh, podcast Podbean that we use for hosting our little uh, podcast they automatically seem to be putting up some of our episodes they seem to be quite selective on putting some of our episodes up on youtube automatically which means i've got to kind of process the rest of the stuff which takes a long time but there are now only two more things to do the first thing as always is to remember that we are many things but we're not wizards are we wizards luke well, <laughs> nah, I'm I'm no, no wizard. Nab's fantastic. Yes, we are um, content creators, putting our voices out there and rolling our dice at the same time. Um, Just remember, it's se- only a game, people. Remember, <laughs> so that's fantastic. <laughs> and the second thing, uh, well, before that, again, just thank you very, very much for coming on, Luke. Um, it's much appreciated. Um, and the other thing is to say goodbye. So it is a goodbye from the fantastic, the wonderful Mr. Luke Hector from the Broken Meeple. This is that you're really bigging me up way more than I deserve. I can see. Well, there you go. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but no, it's it's been great being on there. It's been a great laugh. Good honestly. stuff. Good stuff. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Support the little guys out there that are providing you with your content, whether they be wonderful and non-wizardy like us or whether they be meeply and broken like Luke meeply and broken <laughs> <laughs> you did not script that in advance I know that I did not I did not I just made that up just now well I can't get any worse than the title that I did for the show so I might as well finish finish the same way we started with a rubbish ending but until the next time you lovely people um, goodbye goodbye take care everyone